You know, the reason that we use that text on this particular Sabbath is because it is a promise that God made to ancient Israel. We've been through this time and time again, but the Israelites were a community of people, were a nation who were continually taken out of their homeland and dispersed over all of the kingdom. Whoever was the empire of the time would come and dominate and disperse them. And there was this constant worry or doubt that perhaps God had forgotten them or God would not rescue them or God would not help them, even though the Bible tells us time and time again that God did in fact come to their rescue. And so in this picture of Isaiah, what we see is that this God says, yes, right now it is tough, right now it is difficult, and right now you're in exile, but one day I will create a new heavens and a new earth. And so we see that this is a promise about a physical place and time, and it uses the word Jerusalem But as Paul would aptly and rightly teach us, is that we have now become the spiritual Israel. So for every one of you who is here this morning and who is hearing these words and has faith in Jesus, Jesus is making the same exact promise to you, that there is a new earth, a new heaven, a newness that is going to be born within you, and life becomes better. You see, there's oftentimes when I hear people like talk to people and they don't believe in Christianity or Jesus, they'll say things like, look, I like Jesus. I like his philosophy. I like what he taught. I like, you know, Jesus is a cool guy. Like, like Jesus and pop culture is actually pretty cool right now. But a lot of the times people will say, I like Jesus and I like his teachings. But come on, he didn't actually resurrect from the dead. Like, come on, that's impossible. And like, I used to get really offended and upset. And I'd be like, well, let me show you what this writer says or this writer says, you know, whatever. And like, I convinced no one. And so then I read this other writer And he says, is it impossible to raise someone from the dead? I mean, what's the answer? Yes. Yeah. I've seen so many people die. Just just a few days ago, I heard about a friend of mine, my age, who, um, who passed away on Wednesday night. We wish for resurrection. We wish for resurrection. resuscitation, right? We hope that even though we see someone lying on a gurney, we say, well, please just come back to life. And, and we know because with our own eyes, we haven't really seen a resurrection. So people say, because I haven't seen it with my eyes, Jesus surely could not have been resurrected. But somewhere along the line, I realize I'm not going to argue for the resurrection anymore. I've now taken what this other author, N.T. Wright, says and says, you're right. Resurrection is impossible, improbable, not likely. We don't see it, and yet it is the way by which God chooses to begin the kingdom of heaven on earth because he is the God who can do impossible things. So is it impossible? Absolutely it's impossible to raise someone from the dead for us, but not for God. And it becomes the litmus test. It becomes the filter by which we can now interpret everything in our lives that says, like, it may be difficult what we're going through right now, But the God that does impossible things is a God who is on my side, who is walking alongside me, and there is no need for me to fear. And so the question then comes for some of you who are saying, like, Pastor, we love that message, but there's nothing going on in my life that's terrible. There is no darkness. There is no valley experience. I don't need impossible in my life right now because everything is going great. To which we say, Hallelujah, Amen, God bless, praise the Lord. Because the reason that perhaps life is going well is because he is risen and he has filled your heart with his joy. See, the life of faith, it's a, it's a mixture of good experiences and bad experiences. Because you're going through something good doesn't mean you may not go through something bad and vice versa. And we love it because the way that life works is it is a continual reminder 
That sometimes we need a little bit more of God's presence in our lives and other times we have to be reminded that we want to enter into his presence even more so that we won't forget what that feels like. You know, there was a story where Jesus was resurrected. And you know what? Can I just read this to you? I wasn't going to read this, but I feel compelled to read this. So I'm going to go ahead and skip my notes for today and let the Spirit move here in a moment. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. So I'm just going to read this. It's like 10 verses, 12 verses. Is that all right? Yeah, let's do it. We're supposed to be here a little longer on Easter Sabbath. All right, so here we go. Verse 13. Now on that same day, two of them, this was after Jesus was resurrected. The tomb is empty. They don't know where Jesus went. Two of them were, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened, Jesus' death, crucifixion, all that. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place here in these days? Like, you know, sometimes we think Jesus is just reserved for a small group of, of, of believers, but he says, are you the only person in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know what has happened? So it was a big deal. He asked them, what, what things? And they replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. And listen to what they say here. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some of the women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, O oh, foolish you are, and how slow of heart, this is Jesus talking to them, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them the things about himself in all the scriptures. That's what I love. Like, we find Jesus in glimpse of scriptures from beginning to the end. As they came near to the village which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged, it's so funny, like, Jesus, like, okay, see you guys later. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, again, image of the Last Supper, when he's at the table with them, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, listen to this, were not our hearts burning within us while, we were t while he was talking to us on the road, and while he was opening up the scriptures to us? And I want to stop there. We're not our hearts burning within us. You know, the resurrection is the impossible thing that happens because it is that thing that happens also within our own lives. Paul would go on to say in Romans that just as Jesus was buried, right, he goes under the earth theoretically or in the tomb, that just as he is buried, we are buried with Jesus when you are baptized. So if you are baptized, 
You are partaking in the death of Jesus, but not just in the death of Jesus, but the Bible tells us and Paul says that as Jesus is resurrected, as you come up out of the baptismal waters, you are now partaking into the newness of life that Jesus has created you for. You see, baptism, it's not washing away your sins. It is a symbolic representation that you are accepting the call of Christ on your life. The word that we use in the church is repentance. And, and oftentimes there's this negative connotation that goes along with the word repentance. If you've ever been to any kind of sporting event or concert, you'll always find people outside with these big signs and these bullhorns that say repent or burn, right? Or turn or burn or something like that. And there's this negative connotation. And, and the reality is... Repentance is just the, the Greek word that says to turn away from yourself and turn towards Christ. Turn towards Christ, and we know that we're still probably going to sin in our lives, but as long as our eyes are connected to Jesus, Jesus is going to continue to keep moving us forward and pulling us towards him. You see, Jesus is making an invitation to each one of your lives, but to truly accept this invitation of Christ in your life is to turn away from only gratifying yourself and your desires and turning so that you might gratify and glorify Christ. Sometimes it feels like it's an impossible thing that has to happen in your lives. But see, what the reason that we gather here on this morning, well, we gather here every Saturday morning, but the reason that this Saturday is different than all other Saturdays is because when we are reminded that it is through the death and the resurrection of Jesus that you are now reconciled for all eternity with God. Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the one that gives you unfettered access. And I'm not going to read this part, but we know that after Jesus finally breathes his last breath in the temple, right? In the temple in Jerusalem, there was this, it was really systematic, but there was a place called a holy place and a most holy place, and it was separated by a curtain. And what the Bible tells us is that when Jesus breathes his last breath, this curtain is torn, which for many of us, we're just like, okay, that's a weird fact, but it was symbolic that Jesus is now the only path to the Father and we don't need to go through anyone else. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who leads us forward and he is calling you into this newness of life. And I'll finish with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I think it's verse 17. Where Paul would go on to say that if you believe in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are now a new creation. It echoes the words of Isaiah 65 where God says that he is creating a new heavens and a new earth where everything you do will be fruitful and will multiply, where everything will be exactly as God created it to be and you will get to experience the fullness of life in Christ. But if I'm honest, the only true way for us to experience the fullness of life is when you have turned away from yourself and turned to the invitation that Jesus is giving to you now. And we know that there are some of you here this morning who maybe it feels like you've accepted that invitation into your life. Maybe you feel like you believe in Jesus, but there's that part of you that says, but do I really? We're not going to ask you to stand up. We're not going to ask you to raise your hands. All we're asking you is for you to open up your heart because Jesus has been tugging at your heart. Jesus has been pursuing you and Jesus will not stop until he finally, until you finally allow yourself to be open to this presence. I truly believe that's true. Jesus loves you more than you could ever love yourself. And as you've read in my email this week, and I'll finish with this, you know, that I've learned so much about the heart of God just by having a little tiny baby at home. 
And if I, as imperfect as I am, as selfish as I am, as annoyed as I get about things, as just frustrated as I can be in life, if I can literally stay up all night, the baby sleeps most of the time, but I stay up and I, and, I, and I have the baby on my side of the bed because like, I only trust myself to hear every like, noise that comes out of her. I mean, I trust Kara. That's not a, not a knock on her. But it's just like, this is the way God wired me. And so like every little thing that she does, I, I, I'm constantly looking. And to the point now where I've, I have so many pillows stacked up like, behind me that I can sit in such a way where I can look right into Everly's little bassinet. And I think to myself, like, if, if I can love someone this much and care and worry about her this much, the Bible tells us, can you imagine how much God cares and loves for you, his children? And so God is making this invitation to you now. He's been pursuing you. And it's not that we've rejected him. It's just that sometimes it just takes a little bit longer for us. I want to pray with you now, if that's you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we know that you are a God who loves us unconditionally. Father, we know that we are the ones that put the conditions on your love for us. But we know that it is your grace that leads us to you. It is your love and kindness that draws us closer to you. So for those who are here this morning who have been feeling the nudge of the of your presence in their heart, who have been feeling you driving them closer to you, Father, I ask now that in the name of Jesus that you would fill their heart and their mind and their soul, that you would allow them to take that next step in this journey of faith to make them whole, to make them reconciled, to cleanse them and make them as white as snow and that their sins would be forgiven. Father, we ask for those who are here in this place right now that you would give them the courage to come and speak to me after the service and say, I want to take that next step. Not just because it's something they can get, but it's because it's the only true meaningful way to live. And Father, I know that there are people who are in this place who have been coming to church for many, many years, but have still been sitting on that fence of whether they want to go full tilt for you or if they want to keep pulling back. And for them, Father, I pray. They're already halfway there, Father. They're almost home. They're almost into your eternal embrace. And so we just ask that you bring them in close now. For those who are here who have been solidly walking this life of faith, we ask that you would continue to honor that walk and that you would continue to fill them with your presence and fill them with your spirit so that they could continue to walk by faith and not have to walk by sight. But for all of us who are here this morning, it is my prayer that our hearts would burn within us as we are being encountered by you now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.